Welcome to another inspirational teaching from Faith Family Church by Senior Pastor Mike DeBenke. For more information about our ministry, visit us on the web at myffc.tv. Just to, just to prepare ourselves to, to receive personally now. We prayed for our graduates. We prayed for Pastor Chris. But now we're going to pray for you. Because this series we've been doing, it's not an easy one. And, and when God first started putting it on my heart to teach it, I was like, why? They need it, but I want them to like me. I, I, I don't want them to get mad at me. And God says, is that more important to you than what I have for you? And of course, you know, you have to say, no, <laughs> you know. Um, but I know that this message is, is for every single one of us because we all have areas of our life that, that enter our life, sometimes on a daily basis, that bring struggle. Uh, they're distractions. They're, they're things that want to cause us to, to get off course and, and not fulfill the plan of God for our life, but to actually crash and burn on the road to what God has for us. And the Bible says that there's an enemy to our faith. And he shows up. He goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may. The wording of that is very important. Because it's up to us to say, no, you may not. God's given us what we need to be victorious over the enemy's plan. But it's what we do with what God's given us that will determine whether we walk out that victory and we fulfill the purpose God has for us. You say, well, Pastor Mike, I don't have a purpose. Every single one of us have a purpose. We have a purpose, and God has a plan for us. Amen? And, and the devil wants nothing more than to get in the way of that and to stop us from fulfilling that because when he stops us from fulfilling our purpose, he affects in a negative way all the people that God intended us to impact. Does that make sense? So it's about much more than just us. Well, it's my life. It really isn't just your life. Your life was bought with a price. And now, effectively, it's supposed to impact other people's lives. Amen? Amen? So I want you just to commit with me today to have ears to hear and, 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 and let God lead you through maybe some difficult times, maybe some struggles, maybe some obstacles that you're facing, or maybe even some things that have a hard hold on you that it's time that you get free from. Amen? Amen. So, Father, we just thank you today that we have ears to hear that we're ready to receive everything that you have for us. That we're going to be aware and, and we're not going to be ignorant of the devil's devices. But Father, we're going to go ahead and walk out what, you, what you've intended for us from the very beginning. And we thank you that as we do this, we release our faith in it. And we declare victory right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, the title of our series is Know who you're fighting. And the thing that we've discovered over the last couple of weeks is sometimes you're fighting yourself where your flesh is rearing up and, and trying to get you to do some things or allow some things that you shouldn't. Or sometimes it's an all-out attack from the enemy, from the devil. Yes, there's a real devil. And even though Barna's research says that 50% of believers, Christians, believe in God, believe in Jesus, but they don't believe there's a devil. And the same book that informs us and makes us aware of God 
And Jesus is the one that tells us there's an enemy to our faith. And for us to, for lack of better terms, stick our head in the sand about that makes us vulnerable to his attacks. And he does attack. The Bible says that we're in a war. We're in a battle. And in that battle, we've got certain weapons that are made available to us, but they're only effective as we apply them according to God's word. Amen? Amen. Now, come on. I'm going to need a little help today. Y'all know, know I like to know you're there, right? So for two weeks, we've been looking at this. I want to read our two main scriptures for this series, and there's no possible way I can go back and recap two weeks and bring it up and then have time to finish this series. But if you, if you haven't seen it, go to our website, myffc.tv, or go to our Facebook, and, and you'll see on there, or you can go to YouTube, Faith Family Church FL, and you can see the, the last two services, and I encourage you to do that. Don't think, well, I wasn't here, I don't need it. We all need it, and it's not my message, it's God's word. I'm just the delivery boy. You don't look at the, the paper and take a look at your, your paper boy and say, ah, it must not be much to read today. Look at that kid. No, you want to hear what's in the paper. You want to know what's in the paper because it's news to you. Don't just look at the delivery boy. Look to God and see what's news to you today. Amen? So our first scripture that we're going to look at, it says, for we are his workmanship. One translation says we are his masterpiece. In other words, we're not an assembly line where we just, God just put out you know, oh, go ahead, just put the belly button there, put the arms there, put the feet there. No, 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 we are his masterpiece. When you see a, a masterpiece of an artist, you know they took time. They used their gifts, their ability. It came from within them. God, the, God's word says that we are his masterpiece. We're his workmanship, and we're created in Christ Jesus for good works. We have a purpose. Every single one of us have a purpose. Individually, I have a purpose. You have a purpose. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared individually for you, for me, prepared beforehand. This is already, it's already set. God's plan for you is already set. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you. So it's personal today. God prepared beforehand so that we could walk in them. We could live them out. We could exercise them. And that's Ephesians 2.10. And I want you to know that a life not pursued, not pursuing the purpose of God, is a life wasted. What, what difference does it make to spend your life building something that has no eternal significance. How I many you know you don't want to just be a blip on the screen? You want to make your mark on this planet. You want to make it different. You want to know that I was there for a reason and what I gave my life to made a difference. You don't want to just be filler. And God is trying to show us this. And, and every life that is, that, is, it, that, that is pursuing the purpose of God has eternal significance, eternal, forever. The Apostle Paul was training his whole life to, to be a Pharisee, to be the Pharisee of Pharisees. He was training to be the top, the best, the, the, the chief Pharisee of them all. And yet he found out after years and years of training that that wasn't the plan God had for him. 
years of schooling. It's like going and getting, today it'd be equivalent to getting your, your, your doctorate after eight, 12 years. He, I mean, his whole life was spent studying and preparing. And then all of a sudden, one day on a horse, God opened his eyes and showed him, that's not why I created you. And he had to make a decision. Am I going to pursue my dreams? Or am I going to embrace God's purpose? And to be honest with you guys, every single one of us here today have to make that decision. Every single one of us. You say, well, Pastor Mike, I'm, I'm too old. My, my life is almost over. I'm in my twilight years. It's too late for me. I would beg to differ. And here's why. God says in his word to us that I am the redeemer of time. Your life on course with God's plan, he can do more in a day than you can do in a lifetime. And the apostle Paul, he, he realized that. So after all of his specialized training and all of his upbringing and everything he prepared for, when he realized God had something for him, he said, I count that all as dung. Now, I hope all of you know what the word dung is because I'm not going to translate it. But it's not a good thing. He said, that, none of that stuff matters. The only thing that matters from this point on is that I pursue what I've been called to do. And by doing that, he went from attacking and, and imprisoning and, and executing Christians to being the biggest advocate for the church and literally writing most of the New Testament for our betterment today. God can do more with you in a short amount of time than you can do in a lifetime on the wrong course. Amen? So you haven't missed it. It's not too late. And after Paul had realized this and decided, you know what, I'm just going to run with God, he wrote this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 14. I press on. I press on. Now, to press means there's re- resistance. You ever have somebody try to hold you back and you've got to push through? What was that game as a kid where everybody gets in a circle and you try to bust through them? Do you know what it is? It's, uh, maybe it's something we played so we get beat up on each other. I don't know. But anyway, there, there's forces that are trying to stop us, and we have to press. We have to make effort. We have to use our wherewithal, what God's given us, to press through to the, high, to the mark of the high calling. Every single one of us have a calling. It says, I press toward the goal of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. In other words, I can only reach the calling of God in my life walking with Jesus. And every one of us need to make room for Jesus in our life if we're going to fulfill and walk out the plan that God has for us. Amen? Amen. Now, through our series, we found some things out. We're at war. We found out that, you know what? It's human nature. It's, it's our tendency. It's really our carnal nature that likes to find a comfort zone and to stay in it. And this is where I lose some of you, and this is where some of you get mad because you think I'm picking on you. I'm not. I'm just informing you, okay? If you get mad, get mad at God. He's the one that said it, not me. But we, we get to a place where we think, you know, I, I, I'm comfortable here, and, and we try to make God fit, fit into what we've determined our life to be. And see, God says that he, he, he doesn't take the back seat to anything. He'll have no idol, and an idol is anything you put before God. It doesn't have to be a little fat oriental guy sitting on, the, on a shelf, you know, that you pray to. You know, Buddha or, or some other 
God that you've allowed into your life, like uh, motorcycles, boats, uh, side-by-sides, going to the beach, anything else you would put before what God's called you to do is an idol. And God's telling us that it's time to put away the idols and to make him the one true God of your life. And I know you don't like it, some of you, but I'm just informing you because a life served pursuing the plan of God is going to be more rewarding, more satisfying, more blessed, uh, more peaceful than any other life somewhere else. Amen? And the problem is that our comfort zones and our callings, they don't go hand in hand. So at some point, we have to decide, I'm going to go ahead and leave my comfort zone and get out there where the real fight is so I can be used by God to make this world a better place, to let my light shine so others can find their way out of darkness. Amen? So remember, I, I didn't want to preach this because God, you know, he, he put on my heart. And I said, listen, God, they're not going to like it. And he said, I know, but preach it anyway. So I'm preaching it anyway. We have to discover that in our comfort zones and in our time where we're distracted, sometimes we, we come across these things called struggles. And I don't know what your struggle is. Everybody has their own struggle where it's our flesh, it's our carnal nature trying to come in. The Bible says that our flesh is in enmity. It's, it's in direct opposition of God. It's his plan for our life. So there's times and temptations that come up in our life, and they come up sometimes on a daily basis, where you're introduced to something or you're challenged by something or you're tempted by something, and you know yours. I don't. I know mine. And, and, and you really have to make a decision right then because if you make room for your struggle, we learned last week that that struggle will grow into what's called a stronghold a fortified position that the enemy uses to infiltrate your life and ultimately to try to bring your life down, to stop you. And the Bible says he comes to do what? To steal, steal the future God has for you, to kill, kill your dreams, kill your hopes, kill you or your family. And ultimately he comes to destroy everything about you. And what we have to do is we have to just determine how, how important is it for me to fulfill the plan of God? How much of God am I going to give my life to? And that's really where we come to today is where does God fit? Where does God fit in my life? Or am I going to fit into God's plan? And it's a choice because God gives every one of us a free will. Amen? Amen. So you may have a struggle. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's alcohol. You you realize there's too much going on in your life. Maybe, maybe it's something as simple as gossip. You know, you can't wait to get with your Christian friends to talk about everybody. Uh, I'm serious. But God counts that as a very serious thing. He says that gossip is just as bad as murder. It's not like you and the girls get together to go out and do a drive-by, right? But you do some verbal drive-bys every time you lambaste the person you're talking about. You know, and we have to understand how God looks at it. And if we decide, oh, it's not that bad, and we make room for it, it grows. It grows until pretty soon we can't control it, and it starts controlling us. And that's what we call a stronghold. And once something gets a stronghold of you, it becomes very difficult to pursue the plan of God for your life. It becomes very difficult to live out the purpose that God has for your life. And that's why we're teaching this message. And so many of us, because we mislabel a struggle, I mean a stronghold, because we've allowed something to stay in our life, and, and we just call it a struggle. 
And I don't know what yours is. You do. You already know. God's already touched you on the heart and said, hey, pay attention. This is about that. It's the way he works. But so many of us don't understand that we allow, we open the door. Most of us lock our doors at night, right? Most of us. Not all of us, maybe, but most of us. Um, Depending on what neighborhood you live in, probably. But we lock our doors to keep out anybody who would want to come in and, and either do harm or take, steal from us something that we've worked hard for, that we value, that we consider precious. So we put it in our house, we lock our doors, and we, we want it to be secure. But when it comes to life, so many of us, we leave our door open and we allow the thief into our life because we don't really know he's there. And I ended last week on this and I want to pick up on it again today. And um, I want to share a little different illustration about it is my, my daughter-in-law, Nicole, who her family's from, not her dad, but her mom's side, they're all from Finland. So they go to Finland several times, you know, either once a year, sometimes they've even gone more, but they try to go once a year to go over there, see their family and stuff. And what Nicole does is she brings back these chocolate bars. Now they're like this big and they're incredible. I mean, they are. You think that, that chocolate, the best chocolate comes from, from Germany or Switzerland or something like that. I learned Thursday night at our life group that chocolate actually originated from South America, right? You know, but actually it's, it's the Germans and the Swiss who perfected it, I think. But, but then these Finnish chocolatiers, they, they got their thing together and these chocolate bars are so good. And what she does is when she comes back from Finland, she brings a stack of them. And her way of just saying, hey, I love you and I was thinking about you while I was gone, is here, I got you a chocolate bar. And to be honest with you, all of us are here like this when she comes home. <laughs> you know, we really are. So she comes in one time and she wasn't going to have a chance to see all our side of the family. So she gives these chocolate bars to my wife. Like 10 of them. One for me, one for my dad, one for my stepmom, one, one for Jared and Shannon, uh, Pe- Uncle Peg- Aunt Peggy and Uncle Scott. Uh, everybody's chocolate bars go to Donna, and Nicole's trusting her to give these to everybody. None of them got to the people they were supposed to go to. <laughs> Pastor Donna ate every single one of them. She took them, she kept them, she meant to give them away, but they had a hold on her. And every single one of them, finally Nicole goes, hey, how'd you guys like your chocolate? We're like, what What chocolate? I gave you guys all chocolate bars. And we said, no, we never got them. And then we all looked at the thief. And see, the problem was, the reason our chocolate bars were so accessible is because she gave the gifts to the thief because she didn't know that Donna was the thief. Now the point of that is so many of us allow the thief into our house because we don't recognize him as the thief. And see a thief's main job is to convince you he's not a thief. Donna didn't say, oh don't give them to me. I'll eat every one of them because what? She would have said, well then give them back. And give them to somebody I can trust, like Dad. <laughs> what, you guys don't believe that? Man, you probably doubted that it was Donna, but then I say me, you're all like, oh, yeah, sure. But anyway, 
The devil sneaks into our life through a struggle. We leave room for it. We allow, we, we make it a pet and we play with it because it's not really hurting anybody. Nobody knows about it. It's just my own little secret. But the problem is that pet grows into a monster. And pretty soon it's got control of us. What we think we're controlling is actually growing to a point where it will control us. And that's the point of this series. We as believers, we as born-again Christians, who have the greater one on the inside of us, we can be bound by things in our life. We can be hindered. We can actually be caused to fall and even be destroyed because we made room for something that should have never been there. We allowed a thief in our house because we didn't recognize it as a thief. And I want to tie this up today with us looking at just a couple more things. We say, well, well, Pastor Mike, how can I know? How can I know how important this is? Well, 2 Corinthians 10.3 says this. It says, for though we live as human beings, if you're a human being here today, raise your hand. If you don't raise your hand, explain yourself. Because <laughs> we're, we're all thinking you're a human being. We do not wage war. There's a war for our, for our lives according to human standards. For the weapons of our warfare are not human weapons, but are, listen, it's made powerful by God. And what are they for? For the tearing down of strongholds. God knew this was coming, and he equipped us, and he enabled us to tear down strongholds so that we could what? So that we could be free. He who the Son, talking about Jesus Christ, sets free is supposed to be free indeed. Amen? So why are our friends, why are we struggling? Because we don't recognize it. So I want to give you seven things that a stronghold, seven signals that a stronghold throws off. Oh, we have another graduate? Is he here? All right, I'm going to cover that at the end. All right? We got one more graduate. Don't let me forget. Awesome. That's awesome. I love it when we win. Somebody graduates high school, we win. Amen? So there's seven signals that a stronghold throws off. I'm going to go through them real quick. Number one, your struggle is something that you begin to identify with. It becomes part of your identity. I don't want to offend anybody. I said that at the beginning of this series, but at the risk of maybe, maybe upsetting some of you, I'm going to go ahead and push through because I love you that much. Amen? When you start identifying with your struggle, and what do I mean by that? It's when you start saying, well, I am a, I am a whatever it is. Well, I'm a smoker. I'm an alcoholic. I'm a liar. Well, I'm a thief. I'm a gossip. You know, I'm a drug addict. I'm addicted to porn. When you start saying that, maybe not to everybody else, but when you start saying that to yourself, there's a sign that's become a stronghold. You're raising the white flag, and instead of just standing against it, you now are identifying with it. And you're seeing it as part of you. And you say, well, Pastor Mike, that's not me. Maybe not, but I know the, I know the deception, and I, I know the tricks of the devil. And what he does is he tries to get us to believe that who we are is based on what we do. And see, that's not the case. See, especially if you become a child of God. 
How many of you, since you became a child of God, don't raise your hand, but think about this. Since you became a child of God, since you accepted Jesus Christ and Lord and Savior, how many of you have sinned? If you're honest, every one of us will raise our hand. And what the devil wants you to do is identify with, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. But the truth is, what you do does not determine who you are. Who you are is determined by God himself and what he's made available for you and what you've done with what he's made available to you, who is Jesus Christ. And see, always and forever, after you receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, it now is who I am, not what I do. I may sin, but I'm still a child of God. I may mess up, but I'm still a child of God. I may blow it bigger than I ever have before, but because of Jesus Christ, I'm still a child of God. I'm no longer a sinner. I may sin, but my identity is I'm a child of God. And see, as long as we can keep that perspective, it, it disarms the enemy from what he's able to do in our lives. Amen? So it should always be who I am before what I do. And that will help you to continue to walk in what God has for you. Does that make sense? Yes. Number two, the, the uh, signal that's thrown off is you start feeling increasingly hopeless. You start saying, oh, well, I just keep doing it. I guess I can't stop. And once you start getting increasingly hopeless, it opens the door for number three, is you begin to feel like a failure. You begin to feel like, you know what, ah, it's part of my identity. It's what I do. So I guess I'm just going to continue to fail, and I'm going to continue to fall, and I can't hope to ever be free. And that opens the door for number four. The fourth signal of a stronghold is you become convinced that there's no way out. You tell yourself, I can't do it. You don't understand, Pastor Mike. I've tried. I've tried to quit this, or I've tried to quit that. I've tried to turn my back on this. I've tried, and I can't do it. Why? Because it's who you see yourself as. It's because you think if you do it, then that must be who you are. And because you can't stop doing it, because it's who you see yourself as. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. That's why it's so important to guard who you see yourself as. You always remind yourself every day. I don't care if you woke up from the worst night of your life. You wake up and say, today I'm a child of God. And you start from that position. Don't try to climb out of a hole. You start from the victory of Jesus Christ has already paid the price. He's already forgiven me for my sin. Born again, set free. I am a child of God. Now let's face today. But if you wake up feeling defeated, you'll never rise above that. Amen? So the fifth thing that happens after you've decided there's no way out is you become defensive. When your friend or somebody you care about says, hey, you know, I, I think you might have a problem. And you say, no, hey, I don't have a problem. You have a problem. This is who I am. You, you, you don't like this. You don't like me. And then the two words that should never be put together. And I know this is going to get some of you, but I'm going to say it anyway. You make a declaration like, this is my truth. You know, the minute you put them together, it devalues the word truth. Because truth never changes. Truth is truth. We just change it into being untruth or non-truth when we say it's conditional. This is my truth because of... No, no, no. It's truth. And you've decided to accept something short of that or something different than that because you've become hopeless, because you identify with it, because you think you can't stop doing it, so it must be who you are. And that's a lie of the devil. 
And we have to understand that, you know what, I, I don't have to, I'm not on a sliding scale where I've got to do so much good before God sees me as his child again. No, God sees you now as his precious child. He sees you now as someone, he sent everything you need to be victorious, and he's waiting. You got a great cloud of witnesses we talked about last week, waiting for you to grab a hold of what God's given you and rise to the occasion, break free from the things that have you in bondage so you can walk out the plan and purpose of God. You guys with me? How many of you have left already? So you become defensive, and, and once you become defensive and you start saying this and that, and, and you don't know who you're talking about, you don't know what you're saying, really what's happened here, guys, is now the stronghold's doing the talking for you. You're no longer even in control of what you're saying about yourself. The stronghold is now doing the talking. And how many know the Bible tells us that there's power in our words, that the spoken word has power, positive or negative? The spoken word has power. Amen? So the number six thing, this is the last one, is after all of these things have happened, you become a slave. You become a slave to the stronghold. The, sl the stronghold starts telling you how to act, starts telling you where to go, starts telling you how to spend your money. Now suddenly you're no longer in control. Now the stronghold is in control. And then number seven happens, you begin to lose your life. First you lose control, then you lose your identity, then you lose your purpose, and eventually if the devil has his way, you're completely destroyed. And that's what he's going for. That's, that's the plan. That's what happens when we allow a struggle to grow into a stronghold. Amen? So, hello? No, I'm kidding. So if we, if we, if we lose, we have to understand why. The Bible says in all that you get, get understanding. Why am I telling you this message? Because there's hope. There's hope. Jesus Christ exposed this. He warned us about it before it ever happened. John 10, 10. Look on the screen if you would. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief, the one who's in your house when you let him, and he's there with a, with a plan, with an agenda, whether you acknowledge it or not, he's got a plan. That's what he comes with. This is what Jesus said. But look what he says. He goes on to say, but I have come that you may have life, the life that I gave my life for you to have, and that you may have it to the full. The whole reason Jesus is saying this to us is so that we can know the difference between a struggle and a stronghold and how to deal with them and to be free from them. He's saying that we should be free. We're supposed to live free. It's good to live free. Amen? So the reason I'm telling you this is because the reality is if we don't use what God's given us to master these struggles and tear down these strongholds, they will master us. And I believe every one of us probably knows somebody who's been mastered and you've seen their life go, go awry because they didn't take the steps to head it off early enough where they could, they could stop it. So as we go further, I want to take just a break for a second and encourage you, please don't be thinking about somebody else. Please don't sit there and say, oh man, I wish my son was here to hear this. Oh, boy, I hope my husband gets this. This is for you. This, this is for you first and then for somebody else. You say, well, Pastor Mike, what are you implying? I'm implying that you're human and that the devil's got a plan against you and that God is telling us that there's a way to keep from falling. Amen? Amen. And it's time that we just decided that I'm, I'm done with this. I'm not going to let this win over my life but I'm going to go ahead and take the stand to make sure it doesn't happen in mine. 
I need to think about me. When I was preparing this message, I thought about me. God, what struggles are, are making their way into my life? What struggles do I have going on that are trying to turn into strongholds? What is it for me? You know, what is it for you? What is it? Only you know, but you and God both know. And he's trying to tell you there's a way out of that. I know it can be hard to admit it, and I'm not asking you to admit it to anybody publicly. But if you don't first admit it to yourself, you'll never get victory over it. If you don't first say, you know what, this is where I'm at, you'll never be able to move forward from there. And God wants you to get to a place where you're free. Well, how do I know? How do I know if I have one of these in my life? This is going to be real quick. i got six ways to, to quiz for you that you can determine if, if, if you have a stronghold that's mastering you. Number one, do your family and friends say you have a problem? Now hear me, they may say it in jest, but you know the most serious things are said in jest. Is somebody telling you you have a problem? Maybe they don't have the confidence to look you square in the eye and say, I really think you're allowing something that shouldn't be in your life. So they may make a joke out of it. But hear them when they tell you because they love you and they care about you. Number two, do you continue even though you're hurting people? That's not that bad. They shouldn't be so sensitive. Oh, they're just touchy. There's signs being shown to you that you, you need to make a change. Do you continue doing it for your gratification instead of considering you're hurting people? Number three, do you arrange your schedule around it? And only you know, because we can hide. You know, there's, there's so many different ways to hide things from the people closest to us. You know it, I know it, but the reality is, are you deceiving yourself? Are you, are you scheduling around it? Number four, are you at the point where you say it's not me? Can you, do, can you do without it for a month? Can you stop doing it even for a week? And I'm talking about honestly, not just what people see, but you know for yourself. This is for self-evaluation. This isn't for you to use as a judge of somebody else. Number five, is it leading you into isolation? Are you pulling away because people are getting close to knowing? People are starting to see for what it really is. So you're pulling away. Are, 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 you, are you allowing it to, to separate you? Are you, are, you, are you feeling like nobody's ever, ever going to understand this? Nobody, ever deal, nobody deals with this like I am. You know, nobody, nobody in my position, in, in, in my level, has ever fallen from this. So I can't let anybody know. That's all isolation. That's all getting you away. And you know, it's the animal. You watch animal plant. It's the animal that gets separated, that gets isolated, that is vulnerable. Number six, are you trying to keep it a secret? Are you hiding it from everyone or anyone in your life? If you're dealing with two or more of these, then chances are you're probably in the process, if not already, being mastered by a stronghold. And the end there is destruction. It's not satisfaction. When a stronghold has you, you never do it and sit back and say, oh, okay, that was enough. It's always more. It's always more. And, and it leads you to, it's like a forest fire. A forest fire is consuming to the point of self-destruction. It will burn everything until there's nothing left to burn, destroying itself. And that's the way our flesh is. That's the way the enemy leads our flesh to get us to the point of destruction. It's never satisfied. I know this is heavy, but there's victory on the other side of it if you'll, if you'll, get, if you'll stick with me. Amen?
What do I do? Pastor Mike, all right, Pastor Mike, I'm not, I'm not saying, yeah, that's me, but that's me. So what do I do? Hey, there is hope in Scripture. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says this. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There's freedom with God. He will get you free. Galatians 5.1 says this. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. We're set free if we'll just apply it to our lives. Amen? So, okay, how do I start? Let's wrap this up. Let's end it. Let's get done with this so we can move on in the victory that God has for us. Number one, you've got to lose the excuses. You've got to get to the point where you just say, that's it. I'm not making excuses anymore. I'm not going to excuse my actions. I'm not going to excuse what I'm doing. I'm, I'm, it stops. It doesn't stop Monday. It's not going to stop tomorrow. It stops today. No more excuses. Because, you know, the truth is that if you're not careful, you'll excuse yourself out of the relationship that God wants with you. You'll excuse yourself out of the relationship with the people who can help you. You'll even end up excusing yourself from the relationship for those you love. And what happens is, and it's a master move of the devil, the enemy is the people you love after you excuse them, you'll start seeing them as your enemy and not your helpers. And there's that isolation. Amen? But you don't understand, Pastor Mike. I've tried. I've tried a thousand times. I can't do it. Everybody say this with me. Philippians 4.13. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. New King James. I can do all things. All things means all things through Christ who strengthens me. Notice it's not your strength. It's not your ability to get you free. It's his. But you've got to make room for it in your life. You've got to apply it. What's the second thing we've got to do? We've got to cut the ties. We've got to cut the ties. We can't, we, we, we've, we've just got to realize that it's either the things I'm doing, the places I'm going, or the people I'm with that are my triggers that are getting me to do things I shouldn't do, that are taking me to a place I shouldn't go to. You've got to decide what is my trigger? What is it that's, that keeps bringing me back to the place I don't want to be? And then you've got, to cut the, you've got to cut it. You've got to cut the ties. You've got to decide that I'm not going to keep doing this. And for a lot of us, you, you may just get to the point where you say, I need surgery. I need surgery. I need a friendectomy. I need to cut some people out of my life. I need to remove some influences that keep bringing pain into my life. And you know what? I know we love them, and I know that they matter to us. Don't think of it as you're leaving them permanently, but more like you're leading them at a distance. You're going to walk out your freedom and show them the way to find their freedom. You'll be the example to what God can do to somebody who submits to his plan and walks it out. And you'll see your friends will end up coming and following you. And I'm telling you, I run with some of the worst. And some of them are now in ministry because they saw somebody get their way free from it and they followed them out. And you can lead your friends out. Amen? We gotta, we've we, 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 we've got to cut some ties. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15 says this. 15.33 says, don't be deceived or don't be misled. Don't kid yourself is what I'm saying. Bad company corrupts good character. You're not better than this. This is truth for every one of us. If the wrong people are in your life, you're going to rise and fall to the level of the people you hang with. That's just the truth. If they're going the wrong place, if they're doing the wrong things, you're going to go right there. Last thing, and we're going to close. Okay. 
Stop making excuses. I got to cut the ties. Number three, how do I walk out this victory? I got to fill the void. I don't just remove things, but I fill that spot back up. Because if I leave it empty, the world will make sure it fills it up. The Bible even tells us that we have to fill it up. So we have to fill it up with what? Go to life groups with other people that are fighting the battle, that are standing with you, that encourage you to walk with God. Don't keep going to the people that are pulling you away. You got to fill the void. You got to fill the void with God. Spend time with God. You got to fill the void spending time in God's Word. Don't just count on everybody else to study the Bible for you. It has to be you doing the, doing the study and doing the growing for yourself. Amen? Amen? And when you do that, you'll find that James 4 7 will become a reality. Submit yourselves to God. Submit yourself. In other words, let God's way be your way. Yield your way to God's way. Submit yourself to God. Do things, live life God's way. Then, by doing that, you'll resist the devil. And when you resist the devil by doing things God's way, what does it say? He will flee from you. But the truth of the matter is, so many people are trying to resist the devil and never surrendering to God. If we hooked up lie detectors to everybody and we sang that song, I Surrender All, It'd be like that game operation. We'd be hearing a lot of buzzes going on. I surrender most. I surrender some. But when we finally get to the point where we're tired of our way, and we just say, all right, God, your way, I surrender all. I choose to live your way, not my way. That's when we can effectively resist the devil. And that's when he runs from us. Because now we're walking and living in the power of of God, the same power that destroyed him and cast him out of heaven with the flick of a finger. That's, he can't stand up against that. We have the victory if we're just willing to do that. Pastor Mike, I just don't know if I can. Romans 12, 21, last scripture. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Don't focus on how hard it is to be, you know, to not do the bad things. Just focus on how good God is. And as you focus on how good God is and how much he loves you and how you are a child of God, suddenly the battle is won. Because here's what happens. When I submit to what God's called me to do, I have strength beyond myself to, to walk it out. That's what it means to be in fellowship with God. That's what it means to have the Holy Spirit active in your life. You have the power of God working for you and through you to get you to where God wants you to be. Amen? So guys, this, this series is... Know who you're fighting. Is it just me allowing some stuff? Or has it grown to where the enemy's using it against me? And if we're honest with ourselves and, and, we, and we take place and, and, and we make a declaration that I'm going to be real with God, his power will show up. The enemy will be defeated. Your light will, brine, will, will, will shine so bright that those around you can't help but at least know the way out of the bondage that they found themselves in. But we're talking about our families. We're talking about people we love. It's not just that, well, it's not my religion. We're talking about an eternity for some if they don't find their way free and find Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. There's so much more riding on this than just us. It's everybody in our lives. Amen? So I want to start today by, by asking you all to bow your heads and close your eyes. We're going to say a prayer. And I'm going to ask you during this prayer, are you where you want to be with God? And it's between you and God. You don't have to stand up. You don't got to wave your hand. If you're not, 
The only one that can get you closer is you. The Bible says that God draws nigh to us as we draw nigh to him. In other words, he's a filler. He's not a forcer. He's not going to come in and grab you and force you into anything. But he's going to be there the minute you open the door and say, God, I need help. God, I want you in my life. So all of us with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I'm also going to give an opportunity for somebody, maybe you've never made Jesus Christ Lord of your life. Maybe you never knew that it was more about God loving you than you being a, some goody two-shoes Christian. It's, it's more about God loving you and meeting you where you are to help you become the person he created you to be than you to live some facade of, of something that you don't even understand what it really is. See, God is love, and that love is directed towards you. And he's forgiven you. And when you receive Jesus Christ, all of that forgiveness, that power, everything he's had stored up for you becomes available. You become, the Bible says that old things are washed away and behold, all things become new. You become a brand new creature in Christ. So right now, as we come before the Father, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you plant it deep into our hearts. Allow it to be, be deep, deep so it can grow roots to not only bring blessing to us, but fruit for your kingdom. I thank you that as each and every one of us get to the point where we ask ourselves, am I where I want to be with you? If not, it's as simple as turning around and turn towards him. You don't have to earn your way back. You don't have to find your way back. He's right there next to you. And as you turn right now in your heart and say, God, I'm back. I'm here and I want everything you have for me. He's right there to give it to you. So if you already know Jesus as Lord, now's your moment to say, you know what? I'm done with the strongholds. I'm done with the struggles. I'm turning to God and allow him to come into my life and bring everything he has for me so I can be the person he created me to be. It's so important you make that point of contact. But then there's those of us who've never really opened our hearts. We never really said, I really, I, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Maybe we pictured that it's always going to be too much to give. It's going to be too much to sacrifice. But really, all you're doing is opening the door and letting him fill you with everything he has for you. He's going to set you free from the things that have lied to you, have let you down, have hurt you, and brought pain to you. So if you're here today, if you're online, and you say, I need Jesus today, today's my day, and you decide, I want him in my life, maybe like never before, I want him to come in and be Lord of my life. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Nobody's looking. It's just between me and you. I'm only asking you so I know who to pray for. God already knows your heart, but I want to know who I'm praying for. Is there anybody in here today that says, you know what, that's me. I need that. I need that Jesus right now. Anybody? Amen. In the house, we're all born again that want to be. But if you're online and you sit there and say, you know what, this is my day, we're going to say a prayer with you. Heavenly Father, today we acknowledge that in our hearts you planted faith that allows us to believe that Jesus Christ, your son, came to be our savior. We accept him, we believe in our heart, and we're confessing with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Father, we thank you for the blessings you've given us. We thank you for insight, revelation, knowledge to the scriptures that have been read so that we can walk out this plan and we can become the people that you've created us to be. We ask this, we believe we receive it, and we declare it to be so in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. We want to do one more thing as we close. We had a lot of special things happening today, so I knew we were going to go a little bit over. 
but as we have acknowledged our our graduates yeah as we have acknowledged our graduates trace are you here come on down man he graduated too Well, I was going to have you stay on the floor, so we I'm just kidding, so we'd be the same height. Yeah, <laughs> look at this. So, but many of you don't know, that's my people. So anyway, many of you don't know, but Trace came to, to be here when someone else was baptized, and he ended up receiving, receiving Jesus that day and getting baptized himself. Amen. So we're celebrating with you, and to acknowledge the fact that you've pushed through school, and he has some pretty great plans about his life. Uh, he wants to be a doctor and uh, help other people. So if you would stretch your hands towards Trace. Father, we thank you for the plan and the goals that you've placed on the inside of him. We know that the spirit that's in him is greater than any spirit that would try to stop him. We declare victory over his life, and we thank you that it goes to fruition for your plan and for his purpose. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Trace, we got this for you, man, and we, we appreciate you so much. Thank you very much. Let's give him a hand. Oh, picture. Yeah. Amen. Thank you. Now, here's what I want to do. You ever heard somebody say, uh, all right, let's seal the deal? You ever bought something or something, and what do they do? They stick their hand like, all right, let's seal the deal. So today, based on the series we just did, we're going to seal the deal. And what we're going to do is we are going to partake of the Lord's table. And what that means is we're going to receive communion. Hopefully all of you got communion elements. Did anybody not get communion elements? If you didn't get them, raise your hand. Okay, right here. They're going to bring them up to you. The communion, right over there, Pastor Chris, on the back side. Anybody else? Now here's why we do this. And the Bible instructs us. Jesus at the Last Supper, he was, he was bringing them up to speed on what he was there for, what was about to happen, what was going to be accomplished with all of that. And what it was going to mean to walk in, in, in life with God after the sacrifice was made of him being tortured, beaten, murdered, hung on a cross. And for him to go into the grave on our behalf, paying the price for our sins. But then three days later, coming out victoriously, justifying us as we are the righteousness of God in Christ. And what Jesus himself said, that when we partake of this... We're to do it acknowledging that he's Lord. And that's why the Bible says to, to not partake of it unworthily, which means you acknowledge that I'm a, I'm a child, to receive communion, you need to be a child of God. You need to have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Amen? Amen? Now, the Apostle Paul, God gave him a revelation of this that would apply to us as a church. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, this is what the Apostle Paul says. It says, for I have received from the Lord that which I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. Now this bread, and if you peel the top layer off, this bread represents the body that was sacrificed for you. And what it's saying is that, that we're going to receive this as a remembrance of when we accepted Jesus Christ and acknowledged that he is our savior, that everything that needed to happen for us to walk free, for us to walk in the freedom we've been talking about for three weeks, happened because of the broken body of Jesus Christ. And he's saying, do this in remembrance. In other words, remind yourselves 
that I've already done it. You already have the freedom. You just have to walk in it. And that's really what communion is about. On the same night he received, you know, and, and, and took. It says on that same night which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, Father, we thank you for this wafer that represents the body of your son, Jesus Christ, that was sacrificed for us, for me, for each one of us individually. And we break it and we receive it. Now, what it means to do something in remembrance. The word remembrance there is, is a very powerful word. And it doesn't mean just think about, but it means to speak. So right now, all of us together say, Lord, I receive your sacrifice for my salvation, for my victory, for my completion of the call of God on my life. I receive it. Then in the same manner, verse 25, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant. This is the new Testament. It's the new plan that God has for us, the church, the new covenant in my blood. This, this little bit of wine, juice, whatever, this represents the shed blood of Jesus Christ that has cleansed us and washed us from all of our unrighteousness and put us back into right standing with God the Father. We don't have to deserve it. We don't have to earn it. We receive it through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And we do this in remembrance that it's a done deal. It's already done by Jesus Christ for us. Amen? This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's remember the Lord. And then in verse 26, it says this. It says, for as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, listen, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. You, you proclaim the victory in Jesus Christ. You proclaim the freedom in Jesus Christ. You are free because of what he's done for you. Amen? Amen. We're going to close, but I want, we're going to have a song I want you all just to take a minute to, to think about what happened these last three weeks and what's, what's going on through God's word in your life. Amen? Uh, as we close, when you leave, of course, there, there, we have two churches here today. So there is a place for um, Grace Presbyterian for their tithes and offering. There's a place for Faith Family Church. It's going to further God's kingdom. So I encourage you to partake of that. Be a part of what God's doing. The Bible says that where your treasure is, there your heart is also. So be a part of what's important to God. Amen? Um, you can do it in all different ways. I think they do theirs also with, you can electronically, it's on the board. But don't lose sight of what happened here and, and receive from the song. And, and let's go out and let's live this life of freedom. And let's walk out this victory so we can let our light shine. And we can draw other people who are lost into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Amen? Listen, guys, I love you. I'm willing for you to be mad at me to get the word to you. Don't ever forget, we're here for you to help you get to a, a, a better place 
that God has for you. Amen? We're never judging you. We're never criticizing you. We're never looking down on you. But we do want to always inspire you to rise up, step out, and be the person God created you to be. Amen? Thank you. This is the end of this teaching. We hope you enjoyed it. To stay connected with our ministry, visit us on the web at myffc.tv or like us on Facebook.